Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the D Hour Network show. I'm your host, Marcia Thaddison. I hope all is well to everyone on this beautiful day here in Atlanta. We got up into the 70s, so I am so happy to see the sun, just be outside, to get the fresh air. It was just like a celebration. People are out walking, their children, they're playing. It's just wonderful to see us back doing the things we love to do, and that's enjoying nature. So I hope everyone is doing well. I want to wish everyone a happy Sunday. Today, my guest is uh, Dr. Seti. She is a midwife. She's been on the show before, and I am so happy to have her back with us today. We're going to kind of talk about... um, being a midwife and being pregnant during the season of COVID-19. And I know with the stay-at-home orders, I'm pretty sure she's going to be busy because people probably be having a lot more babies uh, with the stay-at-home order. But that's what we're on our show tonight, and we're going to be talking about being healthy and having healthy babies. Um, And just bringing things together in a healthy, beautiful way. So uh, bear with me here. I think I just had some technical difficulties. Nettie, are you still? Okay, there we go. All right. So, everyone, I'm wishing you a happy Sunday, and I'm just having a little glitch here, but it's all well, all is well. So we'll be back in a moment. We're just going to have a little break to remind people who's sponsoring this show. For Your Health program is brought to you by Yesterday's Kitchen for Today. We're here to put the power of good health back into the people's hands. Our home party business brings the skills of cooking healthy meals back into our homes. Come, learn firsthand with family and friends the nature of how to go back to canning, fermenting, milling fresh grain into flour to make mm, homemade bread and so much more. We're here to remind the previous generation and to teach the new generation how to use the tools of yesterday and today to make food our medicine. Go to our website and sign up to host a home party, Zoom party, Facebook party, and get a free host gift valued from $20 to $75. Help your family and friends become a part of the real food movement to better health. Join us at www.yesterdayskitchenfortoday.com.
This time I want y'all to help us do it. Lift your hands in this atmosphere and say, I am grateful. Done. Look at him and tell him, yes, yes I'm grateful for the victory that we won. Tell him I could go on and on. About your works. Because I'm grateful. Praise you, Lord. Lift your hands and say, flowing from my heart.
All right, we're back with the DLN Network for your health with Marcia Patterson. My guest is Dr. Seti. I know I'm saying your name wrong. Seti, is this Dr. Seti? Dr. Seti. Seti, Seti, Seti. Dr. Siti, I want to thank you so much, Dr. Siti, for being back on my show. Um, I get great response about you sharing your information about midwives and educating the young generation about having midwives. Give our listening audience a little background about who you are in this journey that puts you on being a midwife. Uh, that's a <laughs> All right. So... I I I I'm from a family on my father and mother's side that have healers, and we didn't call them healers, but we knew as we were growing up that our grandmothers would be the ones that teach us, that pass on the knowledge and wisdom. And I was blessed to have um, my father's mother and my mother's mother to be those teachers of healing and wisdom and, um, you know, hard work and the ability to understand um, that in this life we all have a purpose. And I presume they saw my purpose, and with that they would share knowledge and information to me, Um, something I can say definitely. I remember hearing them say, certain thoughts, words, wisdom. And then there's some things I don't remember them saying. Uh, when it comes to the thought, it, they their names and um, their energy comes to mind. So I know wow. that, yeah, my training started as a, as a young child being just watched over by the grandmothers, but in their watching over, they were teaching me, as grandmothers are supposed to do, and have done and still do. Maybe we are, the grandmothers are getting younger, and because of that, their wisdom is not in the same place as my grandmother's um, as I was growing up. So there are family members that come through. So my training started out first through family, and as time went on, I realized that I wanted to be of service, and I look for it in different ways um, to assist women. Um, and in that, I thought about um, healing work, but I, I didn't think of it as a midwife first or a traditional um, naturopath doctor. I thought of it as working um, in the field of law. And that's really interesting. And then I realized that that's not really what I want to do. Um, and then as time went on, I realized what, where I had been trained and what words were given to me. And I, I made early transition from the world of what I thought was one thing into the world of what really was going on. So the healing arts had always been a part of my journey, even if I didn't understand it at first. So it started as a child, and I furthered it on uh, by going to different colleges, universities, and then I went. um, So the studies are like continual. They don't really stop. You don't finish studying. You might graduate on one level, 
but you are continually always learning. So I look at my process as growing from one stage to another and not being grown. I, I'm not grown, so um, I'm still growing in my wisdom and knowledge and uh, the assistance to those who feel um, that we can connect and I can share something with them. So it started out from a childhood into adulthood, and I'm still going. And um, I look forward to the aspect of being able to uh, share. Um, Usually, I don't know who's coming my direction. So um, every opportunity that comes my way, I look forward to the opportunity of connecting with other families. So there's always an ongoing relationship, I guess, a uh, synergenic relationship that happens when you are reaching out and wanting to share the knowledge of midwifery, of healing through the foods and the herbs and the aromatherapy. All of that comes as part. So my training never stops. It's just ongoing. And um, I think of it as a journey, and my journey is has brought me into many families, has brought me in many states. I don't just stay in Georgia. I travel as part of the things that I do. And I meet up with families and states as far as way, what was my furthest point, New Mexico, as well as the surrounding states, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, um, I'm seeing what else, um, Ohio, uh, Kentucky. So um, the work is a continuum of us being able to connect and being able to pass it on and help families grow. We want our families to continue and grow and keep the legacy and their lineage. Yeah. With yeah. The so even though COVID is happening and we're losing family members, we're also gaining family members. It's a tradition that when one leaves, one comes. So as wow. many individuals we have lost through family and good friends, we are also getting new, um, um, I guess, repeaters, new ones coming forward that are ready to take on the mantle as time goes on. Uh, so, wow. yes, there have been a lot of babies coming forward. Um, yes, quarantine has, not for me, I haven't been <laughs> um, I don't think I've been home more than a couple of days, two or three days in one setting. So, um, but other families have been quite busy. So I, I see my work is not finished. I think it was beautiful what you said, you know, the grandmother's teaching you learn from your grandmother and they recognize the gift that you had and they start pouring into you that gift. And we can really wish that can happen to a lot of our youth today that the grandmothers will have the wisdom. And like you said, they are much younger, so they're not able to acquire the wisdom through life lessons to be able to pass on to their uh, children because they are much younger. But sometimes it can be that surrogate grandmother, the lady down the street, or someone else that can be able to pour into our children in the next generation, which I think is just beautiful. Now, uh, how do people find you to know that is there um, 
a midwife directory that says this is who you are, or most of your information is word of mouth of how you acquire your clients? It's a combination. Word of mouth is like a calling card because nobody's going to pass your name and your number on. It should you not be doing, you know, work of integrity and work of healing and work of just assisting the family in growth. And then there are places I know sister, uh, I think it's sister midwife directory. Um, that's one. There, there are probably other sources I sometimes ask and somebody says, well, I found you online and they don't say where, or you were referred by a friend of a friend. And so I take it as, well, that's a calling card. You know, people get mm-hmm. cards printed up, and it tells you their name, number, and a little bit of what they do. Well, my card is the references that others pass on. So they find me because that's how we are as melanated people. We can find what we're looking for if we're really searching. Um, so it, it to me, it's like the grapevine. And um so I never know how people are connect with me until I ask. And then sometimes I don't even know who the friend of the friend is. And I am in <laughs> gratitude. <laughs> I'm in gratitude that somebody thought enough of me to pass my name and number on. Um, yes. Now, do you find that with COVID-19 being in place, and it's been here for about almost a year, that uh, more and more women are opt to do midwife and have it at home as opposed to going into the hospitals? Yes. Now, it starts out as, well, I I can't have my significant other in the room with me. So they already feel challenged just by that statement alone. Nobody else okay. can come in the uh, or the father will have to be tested for COVID-19. You know, they, there's always been restrictions. Now it's even more restrictions. So it gets the women who really wanted to do the home birth but didn't pursue it, the opportunity now to take it a step further. Yes, um, a lot of those who are doing the midwifery are, I'll call booked. I'll say that they're booked because some of them have to, they don't turn them down, but they can't get to them um, because the numbers have really grown exponentially. So there is a big difference going on right now. I think this is going to be one of the biggest baby booms that they've had in a long time. And I'm a baby wow. boomer. So I am, I, yes. <laughs> so I think they're going to top the millennials. I know they are. Um because of all the masses, if you take one for one for all the people that have transitioned, whether COVID mm-hmm. or whether other uh, life-threatening illness, then you look at that by every time one leaves, one comes. We are bringing in more babies than we have done in a very, very, very long time. The only thing wow. you hear on the only thing you hear on the news is those that are leaving. I don't right. I, I might I don't hear about the ones coming in, but I definitely hear about the ones leaving. So I know that the ones left that have left also mm-hmm. are bringing in new ones. So we are bring our numbers are 
even greater, much, much more. Nobody's doing a lot of reading on COVID, okay, on COVID. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, during this pregnancy, uh, does that give a woman a high risk of pregnancy during this time because of COVID? A lot of the women that I have seen do not go out the door. I, they'll go out put to walk in their yard. They'll go to a park. They're, mm-hmm. They become high risk if they realize because that, that they don't go out. So they tend to stay in quite a bit. And I, and I tell women, you know, you need that outside air and oxygen and sunlight or coolness. Yes. But you don't have to be around a lot of people, even though now, like you had said, how warm it was today, uh, you know, people are out walking. Yes, you can walk and, you know, pass each other and there's enough space for people to go to parks, to go hiking. And the more fresh air and oxygen the women get, the less likely they are to get ill. Um, They don't go really to the shopping when I'm in a store or a market to get groceries, I don't see pregnant women. I see women who already have children. But one thing I do right. not see the stores are pregnant women. So they know they can be high risk. So they tend to be at home or you know, very close to home. So they don't wow. get out how other individuals are getting out. They, I, I don't, I'm not as much concerned now. There have been some of the women who are pregnant, for some reason or other, who have gotten COVID, a positive test, that they've come out of it okay without any um, serious side effects. Um, so, but I don't hear many, just every now and then. Now, Ken, our... Um before you meet with these women, are you taking a COVID test or they're taking a test? Are you wearing masks or they're wearing masks? What is the meeting like? Or uh, is it just social distancing but yet without a mask or social distancing with a mask? Okay. So I have some of the folks, uh, clients that I know that wear a mask and we (laughs) social distance. And then I have some individuals that don't wear a mask and we social distance. Now, we do take a little chance and hug, but the hug is like there's got to be a touch because at some point mm-hmm. I have to touch the baby and touch them. Right. So right. We, have that, we have that understanding that we're going to be taking care of ourselves. And there are some of the pregnant women who work um, and are in jobs, so... I presume that some of the women who work have to do the COVID testing. Um, the women who are not working, who are at home and pregnant, um, I don't hear about them getting COVID testing, but I can't tell you for sure if they haven't. I just know right. they tend to stay away. They don't go to family events because of their concerned about their health and the baby's health. Oh, sure, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Now, from do you know if the CDC or anyone has said that can pass? Can COVID nineteen be passed on to the unborn baby at this point, or they're not known, or would the mom or the placenta keep the baby for preventing them from getting COVID? Uh, the mom and the baby would be 
protected by the placenta, and then the mom, you, you know, you do have to do, do some healthy lifestyle work by taking mm-hmm. certain oils um, like um, oil of oregano, colloidal silver. So these moms that I work with are working on a little more health-conscious concern. So if they have been, then they're taking things to minimize any health. And they tend to not to have, the babies don't have any issues. Um, And then for the moms that don't show up COVID-19 positive, they're taking healthy steps anyway. So I tend to work around moms who are open for eating better, who are already in the herbal category, um, understanding what they need to do for their skin, for the working. So I don't I don't see the issues. I don't have babies coming out with, with issues, not during this COVID nineteen. Yeah. Like I mom's really taking precaution of keeping the distance yeah. and when they go out now they'll definitely wear a mask. But when we meet right. we're in either one setting or their setting or my setting. And I make sure I keep my setting clean and they tend to do the now, um, when you say eating better, can you give us a, just a snip of what it looks like of eating better, showing new moms how to change their diet and what that diet looks like? Okay. So, for instance, in the morning, um, we call this smoothies. And the smoothies would be, this is just some of the ideas some of the moms do. They'll use mm-hmm. Or they'll use almond milk or coconut milk. Um, They'll put in chia seeds. They'll put in, um, these are some of the things you can add to the milk. Uh, Sea moss, I always recommend putting the sea moss in there. Even if you don't do the chia seeds, they might use maca to help with their endocrine system. But hemp seeds is protein. The coconut or almond milk is more protein. Uh, They might put a green powder such as spirulina or green veggies such as kale or spinach. Uh, They'll add chlorella or moringa. So in their morning smoothie, they will have a nutrient-based drink, and that could be anywhere from 16 ounces to 32 ounces. And then um, before they drink the drink, they must have a nice amount of water um, to keep their system hydrated. The smoothie is more concentrated, and the water is like the transport system to move things on, to help with their bowels in the morning, to help um, just kind of wake up and stimulate the body. So after Mm -hmm. the depending on when they decide to eat their next meal. Um, If they're eating a smaller or drinking a smaller smoothie, they might have a breakfast, which could be avocado on a sprouted bread. Um, They call that avocado toast. Um, They have different things that they decide they want. Now, if they don't eat the breakfast because they're working and they have the 32-ounce smoothie, then lunchtime could be... um, avocado sandwich, a veggie sandwich, a veggie pizza, salad, um, 
some sort of enriched green, a meal that has greenery as well as other colors in it, a soup. Um, oh, it, it varies, a rice, a grain with a uh, black rice, with a veggie, and with some other protein, um, whether it be jackfruit that's prepared and cooked or a combination to make what would be considered a meatless meal, no meat, but a, a, a substitute that they have created from scratch. Um, they could have for dinner lentils. They could have, um, oh, the, the, the list goes on. But they tend so to be not, like, go ahead. Do they, do they able to eat fish or seafood or you could, this is, a, this is more like no, a vegetarian no. type of meal? Uh, it's a combination of vegetarian, vegan, um, and some salmon. I, I hear quite a few families, if they do eat fish, it would be salmon, baked salmon. Okay. Try it, but they would definitely eat salmon. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, because they need that healthy fat, that omega-3, that kind of stuff, good for the babies, right? Yes, but they can also get that out of oils. Borage oil. Okay. So for the vegan that doesn't eat the fish, then they get it through other foods that have the omega threes in it. Um, the oils tend to olive oil, hemp oil, flax uh, oil. Most of the really rich oils have a lot of the omega threes right. in them. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 So I yeah I like. I like the sea moss. I've been I've been doing my sea moss, and I really like that. Now, um, we talked about stress. So basically, um, educating the moms about getting outside, as you said, getting some sun. We have nutritional meals. What is one way to you help mothers to de-stress and not worry, and to bring that stress onto the baby on how to relax? What is the technique uh, that these mothers are learning from you about being stress-free and how that's done? One uh, way is yoga, comedic yoga. You do a lot of breath work. Your breath work, whether you do the yoga or just walk out outside, is about um, gathering more oxygen in, which means you're going to flush out a lot of waste, a lot of emotional uh, burdens that are weighing on you. So that breathing helps to take away that stress. Uh, I teach them about, you know, practicing meditation, breathing with meditation. We talk about um, playing music that relaxes the mind, whether it's just uh, um, lyrics without the voice um, or just the vocals or just the instrumental, you know, music is very good in relaxing, burning essential oils um, that uh, relax the mind and the spirit, uh, definitely soaking in the tub, um, adding some um, uh, big crystal Epsom salt with different essential oils. So these are all different techniques women use, uh, having um, adjustments to the body, chiropractic adjustment, that helps to stimulate uh, the nerve endings, which you would think stimulate it so it would create more activity, but it can relax you when the body's aligned properly. 
So there are, you know, these are some of the ways that you can remove the stress. And then we talk about what is causing the stress. Because if you are concerned about finances, you're concerned about how things are going to work, what's new, family um, dynamics, uh, relationship issues. Um, because I'm a little older, you know, that counseling comes mm-hmm. in to address some mm-hmm. of this. It's it's part of the birthing process. Um, I um, am asked at times through families to counsel, which helps once they can find a outlet so they can breathe and not feel like, you know, they're burdened by the worry of whatever else is going on. Um, right. Right. So, you know, music, oxygen, air, breathing, exercise, the yoga, drinking plenty of water, surprisingly. Yeah. It's the system that helps relieve a lot. And then just consciously finding other things to focus on that it doesn't mean you live in a non-existent life, but you find ways to, you know, focus your energy on things that are less stressful. Um, I tell women, you know, get some flowers, you know, have something that makes your day feel good. Even in the midst of things that are not so good, there's always ways to um, rest yourself. Now, have you seen those little hear, um, headphones that goes onto the mother's belly? So do you recommend that for the mom so the baby can be calm uh, or hear something calming as opposed of um, some, some stuff that may be a little more not calming from the outside but give them something to listen to in the inside? Okay, so I have mixed feelings on this. Whatever okay. the mommy is going through, the baby's going to go through. When the mommy's at gotcha. peace, the baby's at peace. You don't have to put earphones on your belly because the baby's <laughs> going to be here. You know, I, you know I, when, when you started discussing it, I've heard of it. I don't know if I've actually seen anybody I know. I, we don't mm-hmm. even have the like that because, to me, that's using some outside – Suppose we don't have the earphones or the extra money to buy this. Does it mean right. that our baby's stressed? No. Um, you know, living simply is enough. Too many gadgets create other things. Now, earphones might be sending uh, sending music to the baby, but are the earphones picking up high radiation? You know, so you have to be careful uh, okay. the tools that you use around yourself and the baby computers, the cell phone, that's enough right there. Play the right. music the child is through you. The baby is not deaf that you have to put earphones on. And I know, I'm not trying <laughs> to excuse this or anything. I And this goes with this other saying. When people are concerned about the mommy's mm-hmm. not delivering on a certain day, I tell them to tell their family members or friends, babies don't have calendars in the womb. So if they don't have calendars, wow. they can come <laughs> quite well without everybody's help. Doctors, on the other hand, feel the need to move this baby out so they can make room for more babies coming through. I, on the other yeah. hand, mommy, you know, the baby's going to got there. 
it's going to definitely come out. And um, so we do things to help the process. But the earphones, I really would say that's not a good idea because I don't know what they're made from. I don't know, you know, are we causing another issue down the road? And just play right. the music. The babies can hear the same music you hear. They hear you talking to them. You don't have to put a microphone to your mouth to talk to the baby. Can you hear me in no. there? Yeah. 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 So yeah. we don't need all of that. That's a gadget. That's about spending money. Get close to your baby. Rub your belly. Talk to the baby. The father as well as the mother. Should there be siblings? Siblings like to kiss, the, uh, uh, the children like to kiss on the belly and talk to their sibling inside. Um, I, not this weekend, but last weekend, I delivered twins. And oh. it was such a beautiful experience. So one came out head down and the other one came feet down. And so, oh, my God. Yeah, and so the, 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 I think it was the grandfather that said, put the babies in the bed together, and they sleep together. And I said, that, that's really nice because they spent time together, you know? So, wow. Uh, simple things. We get caught up in too many outside influences that take us somewhere, and then we find out five years, six years, ten years down the road that the earphones causes whatever. So um, yeah. I was. Yeah. Put the earphones away. Play some really nice music. Um, dance. You want to get the baby smiling? Mommy's dance. Oh, Dancing oh, is nice. So yes. So we we there's so much we can do buying extra things, you know. Um, so we just need to just remember those things. And, you know, I've seen so many pictures where babies come out, twins come out holding each other's hand or talking to them or sucking on each other's face or, you know, it's just a beautiful thing to see. And when my my youngest one was born and um, she came out the womb and I was talking and her little head was just moving around listening, you know, because she recognized my voice. And yes. I think that is such a yeah, – I just love you – know, every time I see a baby born, I cry. I can't, I can't help it. It's something about when you watch a baby come to this world, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, it's just it's just amazing. It it's just beautiful. And you got yes. to see this. Uh, how many years you've been doing this? No, shoot. I'm almost 50 now. It's not 50. Yes. Wow. I don't even <laughs> – so it, that is such a beautiful job. That is such a beautiful it, job. You know, I don't even think of it as a job. I think that this is just such a beautiful calling I've been gifted with that um, I, I don't consider it work. It is, you know, it is a work process. And I don't think of it as, oh, my job now. I That is so not the reality. The reality is the beautiful blessing of empower. See, it's twofold. It's the empowerment of the women and the birthing yeah. of this child boy. So yeah. it's just powerful on many levels. So I enjoy it. I get just thrilled. Doesn't matter how many babies, how long it takes. Um, it's just a beautiful experience and I love it. 
I truly love it. And I wish I had, you know, I was, I'm a baby boomer, but I never was around anyone that had a, talked about breastfeeding or uh, having mm. a baby at home. Never, you know, we were supposed to be modern. But you know what I, I you know, I think these women who have you as a midwife can be blessed because you're such a calm person and you're such a grounded person spiritually that to have this to have you at the time of your giving birth to bring forth something that is spiritual, a new life, a new baby into the world, I think it's such a blessing. Because when you're in the hospital, you've got this rushing of the equipment going, the, the sounds of the equipment and the nurses and doctors walking in and out of there, not emotionally or um, connected to the mother or the baby. You know what I'm saying? So yes, I do. Someone to have, huh? So to have someone like you in this room where they're in pain, that can, I'm pretty sure talking to them, calming them down, giving them that spiritual as well emotional support, and that in itself will calm you down. And I think that should help with the pain and the stress because you can get tensed up and make it worse and be calm and making. So I just I can hear that in your voice and know that. When you see these babies, I guess it's just the joy that it's a healthy baby. It's here. It's beautiful. That it's a rewarding to you as well as to the parents to have someone like you there saying, I'm going to help you bring this baby to life, I mean, into this world. So I just applaud you for being able to do that this many years. I just love it. I wish I had a, someone like that in your ear. And then, you know, this is what I call wisdom. You know, to have people like you, and I've met other people on my show that have this knowledge of old school, what I want to say, um, bringing babies into the world yesterday, that not the rushing and the equipment and all the fancy stuff that don't mean nothing, but to be able to bring that child in here healthy. Um, I'm pretty sure the first thing you do is give that baby to the mom and massage the baby. So is that the first thing you do when the baby comes out? It it goes on to the mother right away and connects oh, yes. to the mother? That's correct. Because the placenta hasn't come out. The mommy is in the state of ecstatic of love, just deep love. And she's holding her child and just the wonder of us. Finally, we get to see you, you know. Um, so, yes, and that's bonding. That's the connection, and the father's right there. Um, some some of them cry. Some of them cry, and it's such a beautiful thing because they've waited and waited, and finally, oh, my child is here. So, yes, the mommy and the daddy. Now, when I did the twins, daddy had the whole one because it took a while for baby number two to come out. So mm-hmm. um, I don't ready to hold. Now, he wore a mask. He had a mask mm-hmm. on. Um, mm-hmm. But he definitely there in place to, uh, whether he recognized it or not, to be a support. And so he got a really good bonding. So after the mother had bonded for a while, he was to hold the baby while we work on baby number two coming out. So, yes, mommy gets baby first. The bonding, the skin touching, just the love. And sometimes they're in the water, sometimes they're on the bed, um, whatever position they're in, they're holding their child. 
and really loving that child at that at that moment of just just I don't know what else to say but such a high spiritual high vibrational feeling that just exudes everywhere in the room in the house in the apartment wherever they're at just such a beautiful experience I know it is I know it is uh, we're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. I want to remind our listening audience, you're on the D-Hour Network for your health with Marcia Thaddison, and we'll be right back after this break.
for Your Health program is brought to you by Yesterday's Kitchen for Today. We're here to put the power of good health back into the people's hands. Our home party business brings the skills of cooking healthy meals back into our home. Come, learn firsthand with family and friends the nature of how to go back to canning, fermenting, milling fresh grain into flour to make mm, homemade bread and so much more. We're here to remind the previous generation and to teach the new generation how to use the tools of yesterday and today to make food our medicine. Go to our website and sign up to host a home party, Zoom party, Facebook party, and get a free host gift valued from $20 to $75. Help your family and friends become a part of the real food movement to better health. Join us at www.yesterdayskitchenfortoday.com. All right, you're back with the D-Hour Network Show. This is your host, Marsha Patterson with For Your Health, and Dr. Seti is here. Uh, I want to talk about um, COVID-19 and women wearing masks. Now, are the women, are some of the women wearing masks? I know they can't be wearing a mask during childbirth. And if they're going to work, do you suggest that they go out and take a break and give themselves a break instead of constantly wearing the mask when they're pregnant? What is your advice with women who have to work oh. and what's with the mask wearing? Well, for the women that work um, inside of the building, yes, come outside, take the mask off. Try to wear different types of masks. Um, also, you know, take some breathing breaks because, and, and because you're pregnant, you have a little more opportunity to get a little more often breaks to get outside. Um, for the women that are not working and they're going into the store, you know, those that do Instacart and all those other um, uh, service that bring food to the home, they don't have to worry about it. So it's more when they're going out or if they're in a working environment to come outside of the working environment and get some fresh air and take the mask off. Fresh air does a lot for you um, compared to staying in a building all day with that same mask on and not being able to, other than when you eat, not being able to take in some oxygen which is needed. You're taking in a lot of your waste coming back in your system. So, you know, you have to be very careful about that because that affects you and the baby. Right, right, right. Now, what about breastfeeding during COVID-19? That's no, you find no problem with that, with the mom and the baby, no. correct? No, that's not an issue. They need to breastfeed. Um that is healthy. That is why the breast supplies the colostrum and then the milk. Um, no matter what illness is going on, what diseases are happening, mommies that breastfeed still have healthier babies than women who give formulas to the baby because the formulas are made in a lab and they're set up with a lot of things that create the babies to make fat uh, too quickly, too soon, and that it's not healthy, um, whereas the breastfeeding has the right 
amount of fat in it, the antibiotics that come through, and the nutrients that come in the colostrum, and then also in the milk are much more nature-orientated, and they come from a higher place. So it's much more healthier than any other means out there. Now, there are some mommies that have challenges, regardless of COVID-19, on the nursing and breastfeeding. Um, But those mommies, the challenges are about learning the right way to um, do the process of lactation and getting the baby to latch on. Uh, So it is healthier to have the baby drink the breast milk. Because that colostrum, like you said, is so healthy, and that's the first milk that comes from the mother's breast milk, and it builds up that baby's immune system so it can do what the creator designed it to do is to take care of itself, to be able to fight off stuff. That's right, and not allowing the baby to get that, drying it up or, you know, just not giving the baby that opportunity, the baby lacks that, and it really has catch-up to do in order to build the immune system. So definitely cosmolostrum. Um, I tell women as long as possible to nurse. You know, don't feel like you got to put a date on it first, give the child opportunity, and then depending on their lifestyle, if they have to work, um, I tell women, you don't go back in six weeks. You need more time for healing. The baby needs more time with you. And so... That was the adage to get women to go back into the workforce. Um, I tell them, your body's still healing. You're not ready. So um, continue nursing um, as long as you possibly can or desire to do that so that the child can really get the full benefit of what's inside. Even when women don't eat as healthy, um, that's still an important nutrient for the baby. The healthier the mommy is, the higher the nutrient mm-hmm. level. So, you know, I really enforce that mommies eat um, foods that are high in nutrition um, to make sure that the baby's getting all that that child needs for development. Now, during the COVID-19, you, you talked about the father being in the room. Do, uh, do the other people can be in a room at this time or this depending on the family and what they want even at this point with COVID-19? Is, is that how it works, having it at home? Okay. Or... A lot of times, other now there might be the, the, the mama's mother. Um, she always wears a mask. Now, if, should there be other individuals in the room, I don't. I don't recommend a lot of people. Sometimes the mommy wants, if her mother is still around or um, can get to be there, they want their mother there. Um, that support mm-hmm. as husband or father, that's really strengthening support. There might be a sibling, like a sister. Um, that It's not a lot of people. With COVID, it's been a very small setting. Now, if there are children already, other children, they're okay, um, but they, depending on their age, they're not going to be watching the home birth all the way through. So um, it, it's limited. There are not a lot of people who have a lot of people, other family members at the birth. For one, any of the grandparents are a little concerned, so they tend mm-hmm. to wear the mask when they come to greet the child, whenever that is. Um, but on the whole, there has not been 
a lot of people at a, at a home birth now. COVID-19 has made changes in the, the status of having many or having even more than two or three people there. Um, so, no, it isn't a large group. It's definitely a very, very small select, the father, the mother, um, and myself, and sometimes one another family member. They keep a mask and they keep a distance. Now, with COVID-19, have the Midwife Association or organization put down certain rules for you guys to follow when a, with this pandemic in place, or it's just kind of like common sense, we're going to do it this way, and that's it. You know, there's no standard way of doing things, or do they set standards during this time? I can't speak for other for organizations. I know that what I've been doing is about cleanliness, is about keeping the area clean, is about the parents being clean, washing your hands. So all this has been in place before nineteen ever happened mm-hmm. because you cannot home birth and be in a unhealthy surrounding. So yes, it's cleanliness is on top of the list regardless. Now, what about uh, follow up with the moms? Um, how often does it do when you give birth? To them? What happens after? Oh, wait a minute. Let's go back to the placenta. We put the baby on the mom's chest. Do you allow the placenta to stay connected to the baby until the pulsation stops? Or do you cut then? We heard about, uh, what's that called that, when they call it delay? Okay. Delay clamp? Yeah, that's a term. I don't know where that term came from, but that's been out there. That's all I knew. They didn't call it delay clamping. You always waited that I knew. You always waited till the pulsation because that's the blood flowing. So um, for those that get the cord cut, some mommies don't want the cord cut and that baby have a, a lotus birth. So the baby can be nursing when the mom, after the baby comes out, as well as the mom having skin-to-skin contact, the baby is put to the breast. This gives the mom an opportunity. Sometimes she's feeling a little drained, so we just lay the baby there. The baby's in that rooting uh, mode, and so we get her prepared to start the process, and depending on if she's really tired, I might have to give her something to help the placenta come out. Um, these are herbs. These are not drugs. And um, mommies can push that placenta out, like, not too long after the baby comes out. And then the placenta is caught. Um, while we're waiting for the placenta, it, should it be not time to cut the cord? then we don't clamp until it is time, until that pulsation has stopped all the way down to the placenta. If the placenta is not out and mom wow. is still going to birthing the placenta, then I go as far as I can go to feel. I don't just feel near the navel. I feel all the way down the cord because the, uh, the pulsation continues near the navel. It has to finish right. itself out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Then, the, then the placenta comes out, and um, should it be time now to clamp, we clamp, uh, then cut, 
Um, then now mommy and baby have baby is out of their home and mommy is ready to we get her cleaned up and ready for the next stage and um so I do postpartum work. I'm there, uh, depending on how long she's been in labor. She's been drinking juices, um, not gulping them down, but with straws or teas or water, coconut water. These are some of the liquids that the mommies take in to help their energy, to help their bodies be nourished while labor mm-hmm. is taking place. It's a lot of work. After um, the placenta is out and mommy and baby are secure in a warm setting, uh, whether it's on the bed, they've gotten out of the water, um, or they're already on the bed, we clean the mommy up, uh, check on the baby, make sure the baby's doing well. I do an exam as the baby is coming out, and right when the baby comes out, and then I do another exam, and a little period of time after I get the mommy situation situated. Basically, I always check the baby before I hand the mommy the baby so I can make sure everything mm-hmm. is going well for the baby. And then um, she gets the hold. He gets to put the, his hands on his child, and um, then we get folks situated, and mommy cleaned up. Um, I check for any tears, very few, very rare. Um, if they've been doing what they need to do, if they've burped in the water, we might have some abrasions. We have salves to put on there. Um, I don't really get women with um, tears, large tears, big tears, little tears, because we do a perineum massage during the last month of pregnancy. Um, you do what? Okay. What is that called? The massage? The per- what type of massage is that? Perineum. Um, that's the that's the area between the vaginal area and the anus. That space in between there is the perineum, and, and they are required in that last month, or the basically eighth to ninth month, to start massaging that with like a shea butter um, uh-huh. to help lubricate and allow the skin to have elasticity, so that wow. when she's when she's dilating then it won't, she won't tear. Whether she's in the water or out, most of the time, they do that consistently for the month, they're good. They won't tear. Doctors are not going to tell women wow. because they can do an episiotomy, which means they cut down in the bottom part of Ooh. the vaginal. I know. And then that's surgery. That little bit of work they do to cut is considered surgery. So, because they stitch you up afterwards. So, they get um, paid. And what what did you say? They get paid for that. They get some extra money yeah. for that one. Uh-huh. Because oh. the hospital is a money-making business. That's what it is. And, um, so yes. Just coconut, you said coconut shea butter type of stuff, rub that there, and that helps to be able to get that skin lubricated enough to stretch and allow that baby to come in without mother being ripped. Yeah, it's shea butter, raw shea butter. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard of it. Okay, see, I'm, well, I'm, oh, my goodness. So yeah. after that, the baby's laying on the mom. Now the placenta is out. Now, I was hearing that I was, I don't know if I read this or heard this, but Dr. Sabi said that um, leaving the 
umbilical cord to the baby until it drop off within three to four days. Has that ever been done, or is that a procedure, or you not, not today? No, I do that for mommies that want that experience. It's called a lotus birth. The placenta goes in okay. the dish. There are, herbs. there are herbs covering the placenta. Once the placenta has come out, mommy's holding baby. We're holding the bowl with the placenta. The herbs have been placed. Um, some prayer over it before the herbs are being placed. Um, it's being checked to make sure, you know, if there are any pieces that might still be in there. Um, and then the bowl with the placenta with the herbs uh, are sitting on a tray on the bed. Wow. Maybe on the bed and in anywhere from three to five days that will break off it right at the navel. You don't have to cut wow. it. Wow. The lotus birth. Wow. And, you know, I was, um, I have a little prayer book. It's um, in Sinelli. I think he's a pastor out of uh, New York area. And in his prayer book, he prays for the baby's placenta that's been taken from the hospital and that no one's using those in no type of spiritual way. And when you said you pray over the placenta, I thought about that. He said, because you don't know what they're using that placenta for. I know some people bank their uh, um, umbilical cord or uh, now, and they have a national directory where people can donate that stuff. So they got stem cells and other cells that's, still in those umbilical um, um, cord that's healthy. Isn't that right? That's correct. That's correct. So, yes, and in, the, in the cord, but not the placenta, is holding the weight. Right. But everybody right. thinks about, you know, doing something to the placenta, and I said that's not as healthy because it's holding a lot of waste from the baby. And if the mommy didn't eat as well or take care of herself as well, the placenta is not as good and healthy as it could be, you know. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. Now, how long do you stay with a mom after the baby's born? Um, it's it's an assessment. I, I do postpartum work. So it depends. Has she gotten sleep? Has she been up for a day, two days, three days? It's important that the mommy and baby rest. Then mm-hmm. I, if I'm in state, if I'm in a place where I can come home, I come home, change, get myself reorganized, make sure the mommy is comfortable, make sure the nursing is going on. So I don't leave her. I don't know how long, but I don't leave her until I'm comfortable. She's in bed and she's resting and the baby is comfortable. Then I come back, whether it's some hours later or the next morning, it depends on when she births. Then, then mm-hmm. we start the postpartum process of uh, doing a vaginal steam, a moxie treatment, and a massage. So all that is part of my work in the postpartum, making sure the mommy's the nursing is going well. So it just depends on how long the labor process. Now, if the labor process was less than a day, um, and the birth, we might start the postpartum before she lays down. 
for the for the morning or for the night. And um, so it just varies on what is needed. There is no one size fits all because all women have different lengths right. of time. You know, so I've had women in labor four or five days. I've had women in labor wow. less, than a, less than a day. Wow. I've always had very short labor. Um, I went to the hospital with my youngest, my oldest one at about 1030, 1030, and I had her at 12 midnight. And I wasn't in no pain. Then I went, I went to sleep, and then when I woke up, it's like, oops, it was ready. And she came straight okay. on out. And okay. the same way with all of them, all my kids, and I kind of laugh and joke because my grandmother was a small, itty-bitty little lady. Uh-huh. And my grandma, her name was Stella, and um, she had 18 children. And wow. out of the 18, 15 of them lived. And I was joking, so you know what? I think I got a little bit uh, uh, my grandmother's Miss Stella in me because I was having my kids, and I was up to almost the same day or same hour moving about. Wow. And that is like okay, uh, no, no, yes. no, I gotta stop. So at three, I stop. <laughs> at three, I stop. Now. Epidural. You don't do epidurals and stuff like that, do you, with moms? No, I don't need to do an epidural. No. You don't, you, so the mothers don't have that kind of pain when they follow your procedure, doing the herbs, doing a healthy diet, exercising like they're supposed to. They don't need the epidural, like because you hear some people screaming and carrying on. They want that. They want that pain relief, and that's it, right? Okay, so I'm not medical, so I cannot do an epidural. I don't want to do an epidural. Yes, women have the intenseness. I don't call it. I teach them you're not injured. This is the process of the body opening and closing and then holding itself open. That gets intense. Yes, they feel it. Some women are very, they adapt well. Some women are very... Mm -hmm and they work through it. Yes, it gets intense. It is extremely intense. Um, They do have herbs. Eating well does not stop. This is the body doing this. This isn't what the herbs and the oils and the tinctures and the yoga do is to assist the body in this process. You have to feel something. Some women don't make a sound. They might, eh. And then when it's time for the baby, eh, eh, some women, they moan. <laughs> I had one woman who was on baby five, um, and that was the sound she made. The first, eh, was the water rupture. The second, eh, eh, was the baby coming. Then I've had women, they, it's a song that women sing. It's a moaning, it's, but it's moaning oh, from a very vocal and deep place. Okay. Okay. Some women are extremely quiet, and they just go into that inner, that inner vibration, that inner world, and focus on whatever mm-hmm. the spirit led them to focus on, and they don't make a sound, and then they birth the baby. Then some women do, you know, they'll cuss and curse, and they weren't prepared. Oh, I, oh my gosh. Yes. Now, those are the women that have not had a long time to prepare. And um, there's a lot of profanity. Some women look at me like, 
I don't want to cuss. They don't say it, but I know what they're thinking. They don't want to cuss in front of So I give them permission. You are okay to say whatever you need to say. Then I'll hear some very interesting words back and forth, and I don't go anywhere with that. I let them say, and then some women don't say anything. So there are different songs that our women sing, and the songs are very primal. The cursing is, oh, in their mind, it's like, I should have prepared more for this. You know, and, and some women don't need, we don't meet in time. We don't meet in the first couple of weeks or months. We meet maybe in the eighth month. That doesn't give them enough time for a lot of preparation. So, and then I've had some women who are very, very naive and watch some movie about birthing and think it's, da the baby, the, there's a little <laughs> bit of and then the baby comes, and then they'll say, Nana City, Nana City, oh, my goodness, you know. Um, so it depends on the women, some women, and, and what you do feel it. But the epidural causes the woman's life. So I don't want to create something that's going to do harm. Right. You know, right. you right. don't, right. you're in labor, the intensity is not going to last forever. You come out of it and have not had any drugs, you've had herbs, you've had foods, you have teas, you have juices, you're not going to be suffering three months down the road, six months down the road, nine months down the road, unless you're not taking care of yourself. And the women who want a home birth, they're more interested in taking care of themselves on the whole. Mm -hmm. So they are more um, effort to make sure they're doing what they need to do. So epidurals cause a lot of problems, and women suffer. They might not feel anything when they go in labor, but they feel something after they come out of labor. In this, they feel something while they're in labor that they don't feel other than after birth cramping. After you have more than one child, your uterus wants to clamp, and it takes more of an intense feel, and some women are not good with any kind of um, intensity sensation. I don't like the P-A-I-N word. So, okay. you know, there, there are herbs for that. Um, some women are having a hard time because when they nurse, the baby helps. And when the baby's lactating correctly and latched on, it's going to cramp. Not with the first child, but any of the second, third, fourth child, they're going to cramp. So some women, just as they were in labor, can handle that. Mm-hmm. So they get through it. You know, it might not seem like they can handle it, but they've made the decision to have the home birth, so they're getting through it um, because they know it's short term and that it's not going to last a long time. Now, is it true once with the woman is constantly breastfeeding, she do not have a period? Is that correct? That's a yes and a no because I'm not in people's homes 24-7. So if they're nursing round the clock on the demands of the child, then they're not going to have a period. But then somebody clockwork says, oh, you are nursing, but another one needs to come. So you're going to have a period. So there are oh. different things that happen for different women, depending on 
what was their cycle like before they were pregnant. Um, some women don't get a cycle for the whole duration of their nursing time. Some women in six months have a cycle. Maybe they've maybe they are cutting down on the nursing, and after six months, they are giving the baby other foods or things to eat, and that means the nursing meal is not in place. So the body then says, oh, um, we're not doing round the clock, so I can get you ready for another baby and start the cycle again. <laughs> oh, God. And that's what the body yeah. does. So I very please, if you, and we talk about this, um, if you don't want any more children, let's talk about the different um, natural means, herbal means. I don't want to say the word natural. That gets so played over. Um, there's means to prevent. There's means to keep you sterile. There are herbs that you have to do. You can drink them. You can insert them. There are different things you can do if you don't want to get pregnant um, before you are really ready. Uh, so there's a there's a, a system of what needs to be put in place. And the conversation is, do you want more? Are you ready for another one? And when the women say, mm-hmm. uh, no, I need my body, I need to heal, I need some time to not be looking at myself pregnant. And um, so, you know, they feel like they want their bodies back. Um, right. So we right. Out, yeah, and that's their right, you know, to space out. And this gives the child more time with the parents because they need lap time. Um, children need lap time. Sometimes we can do it and sometimes we can't. But it is the best way is to really just space them out. Um, that doesn't always happen with everybody. So it didn't happen with me. I didn't space mine out that 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 far apart. Um, I, the, the, the thing was I moved my children on. I didn't, you know, have one and then 10 years later have another one. Um, so they right. kind of grew up. Um, so the thing is, it depends on the family dynamics. What what are the parents looking for? How do they see this process? And um, so it's my time in the postpartum to work with the mommy um, to see what else I need to prepare for her for um, her next stage after. Because while I'm there, she has my mm-hmm. undesired and then I don't come back till somewhere between six, eight weeks. Now with COVID, sometimes I don't even get to do a six-week checkup until eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks, because it's running into the time of another birth or birth. So my time, a couple of things have changed with me during COVID. I'm um, now in the place where I plan to see them at six weeks. It just doesn't happen that way. It's usually eight, ten weeks, and they've already had their first intercourse. Um, so I said, try not to do anything until I check you to make sure everything is really, you know, moving the way it's supposed to. Right. They're not. They in no way finish healing in six weeks. That's that even doesn't top anything. Three months is enough time to at least be able to do a little more activities at home. But it takes a full year for everything to get back. So it's it's original. A, a year. Wow. Year. 
No, you know what? I was in the beauty supply store a couple of years ago. A young lady, young lady, come walking in, and she kept saying, "Oh, my stomach hurt! Oh, my stomach hurt!" And I kind of looked back, and I'm thinking, "What is going on?" But as she was walking through the store, she every now and then she would complain and hold her stomach. And so this is me in my head. I'm thinking, Lord, I am not going to say nothing to this child to say what's wrong with you because she's saying it nice and loud. So I said, I'm just going to mind my own business, mind your own business, Marcia, because the mother in me wanted to say, what are you talking about, girl? What is wrong with your stomach? You know, that's where I wanted to go. So I yes. said, mind your business, mind your business. So she's still doing it. And so and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, if I need to say something to this woman, have her in line when I got ready to check out. Sure enough, mm-hmm. she's in line. Mm-hmm. And she, and I said, I still wasn't going to say nothing. So I said, and not until she addressed it to me. So she turned to me and said, my stomach hurt. I said, oh, Lord. I said, baby, why <laughs> did your stomach hurt? <laughs> she said, why did your stomach hurt, baby? She said, I don't know. I just cramping. I said, what, do you have a period? Well, I can't get a period. I said, what do you mean you can't have a period? You're supposed to have a period. She's taking oh, some my. shot or some type of birth control pill that stops her period. I'm like, I oh. out your mind, girl, what is with you? Why would you do that? Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about natural birth control pills, and I'm thinking, okay, is there, I never knew there was natural birth pills or natural method to stop preventing from having a baby. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about some of that? Because I'm meeting so many young ladies who are putting out one young lady I just talked to had a, C, uh, a, a IUD in her, and she has not had a period. She's all mm-hmm. bloated. And actually, because she's not having a period, it's sending her into premenopause at a very early age. She's got the symptoms, you know, that, uh, of menopause. And I'm like, yeah. what is going on here? Mm. Well, nature has always, if we truly believe that the creator has created everything that we need, then there are herbs. There are vitamin C with bioflavonoids, and that can be inserted no more than 350 milligrams. So vitamin C helps break down the sperm. So when the vitamin C um, tablets, no time release. You don't want a time release tablet. You don't know what kind of time that would work. So you want a vitamin <laughs> C flavonoid, and that's 350 milligrams, and you insert it, insert it in the vaginal area as far as you can. And when there is intercourse, the vitamin C starts breaking down anyway, and it kind of breaks down the sperm. Then there, wow. so that's like that's like for every time you you want to do that on a consistent basis. Then there are herbs like wild yam. It's a root, and it's made into a tea. You have to drink at least four cups every day, a quart jar, um, a quart jar every day for three months. Then you have two to three more months that you won't get pregnant then that's one thing that you can do. Then there's neem oil that gets inserted in the vaginal area. That prevents you from being pregnant. Uh, If you want to be sterile, um, there's cotton root bark, and that's cold-pressed, 
and that creates a barrier so you don't become pregnant um, at all. Um, You have to take that over a period of time. So there are different herbs and plants that are for the uh, prevention of pregnancy. And there's some more that um, women can read about, but yes. So the women that come in my uh, space, we talk about, for those that want to, I'm older now, so I don't, I'm not in their peer group. Maybe when I was younger, because women wanted to have the children. Now, women now want to have the children, yes, but they definitely want space. It's just a different dynamic, and I'm in a different place. So I will, and I have been speaking to women, you know, when I ask them, are you ready for another child? I said, yes, that would be business for me, but it isn't about being business for me. It's about, is this what you all want to do? And if you're not ready to have another child, then you need to take into consideration how you're going to prevent that. Um, Of course, there's basically no abstinence, so that's out. Um, (laughs) There is enough different herbs and plants that exist that prevents you from being, but you have to use it. The whole thing about that, you don't use it, it's not going to work. Having it at home is not. So, you know, we talk about that. I talk about it. Sometimes women ask, but on the whole, after they have the baby, they're happy and feeling good. And I said, this is the best time to bring this up. Do you want another one? Am I coming back in a year? Am I coming back in two years? Well, maybe two years, maybe three, but not now. I said, well, you're going to have to do something because your body is in a state of, ooh, we can get ready for another child. So, and mm-hmm. if you're not, your body's ready, you're not going to be a happy camper because you're going to see yourself pregnant before your body has really healed and just before you're emotionally and mentally ready for another child. Um, not that you wouldn't do anything to the child. It's just feeling like you want to be ready for that part of your life. Wow. So you need to write a book. Do you have a book? You have wrote a book yet about this and how to put this together? This I am going to. I've been asked and asked and asked. So I have the information. It's just uh, putting it together and compiling it. Yes. I will you know, be doing I have the book. Some, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you someone's name that's going to help you do this because that's what they do. Um, her name okay. is um, her name is uh, um, April Anderson. Her mom has a publishing thing, and they will help you with the writing, the whole bit. When you ain't got time, they will show you how to put it together. I need to go in a book because it's too many young ladies out here that's going through pre-menopause because of medication they're taking for stop pregnancy. Their bloating is causing them to be uh, overweight because some of this medication is blowing them up really big. And I'm like, what is going on here? Why do you not have a period? It's, it's like, now, another thing, why would a young lady, say a young lady's in her teen, who periods just stop? Is that normal, or do that happen when they're in their teens, when they have a period, and then their period stop? Okay, so let me backtrack a little bit. We're not supposed to be bleeding or hemorrhaging for five to seven days. We should be spotting no more than two, maybe three days, but definitely not five or seven. Really? Um, one, 
yes, one to three would be adequate, no more than that. And that means spotting, not heavy bleeding. What we're doing is hemorrhaging. We're losing our iron. We're losing our nutrient level. So because that we're doing that, we're going to have different challenges. We're going to have fibroid issues. We're going to have um, cervical dysplasia. We're going to have a lot of different things going on. So if a teenager's cycle starts and then stops, uh, there could be many different reasons for that. It is really normal. We don't even know what normal is. We think normal is bleeding for five days. People complain, oh, my cycle only lasted for two days. I said, you don't realize that's the way it should be. Um, So it's understanding what really is what our body is made to do compared to what we call normal. And the normal is based on the medical paradigm that's not normal for our body. So teenagers are having challenges and they're stopping it could be that their body's trying not to hemorrhage. Um, so it depends on the circumstance, what else is going on with their body. Wow. That would have so, to be an assessment. Now, is it our diet and our environment that's causing us to have these long periods of three and five days? Would it, would it, or is the food, too, the big major factor behind this? Yes, it's the food. It's the environment. It's the racial injustices we go through that stress us, that stress our children as they're growing up because, you know, the stories, the young girls going to school, being approached by young boys, and um, all of that, the the racial um, inequality has the racism that exists adds to that because that's a big stressor for us, an extremely big stressor. So... All of that comes into play um, because that's just what's going on. So our body's trying to handle all this going on, and the functions of the body don't function at the level it needs. So we do. We hemorrhage, you know. Um, we're mm. in a fear struggling, so we hemorrhage when we shouldn't be hemorrhaging, you know. Wow. On that, we're going to take another break. We'll be back. And I want um, Dr. Seti to give us information on how people can reach her if they're interested in home delivery with a midwife. We'll be right back on the D-Hour Network for your help with Marsha Thaddison. The rain on your parade Seems nobody cares About you anyway Now you're living your life Like a castaway Search for strength inside Was it all in vain Cause the deeper you dig You find more and more pain Don't let your tomorrow Be like yesterday Cause I'm full to God I called out your name And on your behalf
Never have to live a lie. Never have to wonder why. Never want for nothing. You're always satisfied. In the peace that his arms will provide. He will erase any guilt or shame. Any bad habit you got. You won't want to do them again. Yes, we all can change. I can testify. See, I spoke to God. program 
is brought to you by Yesterday's Kitchen for Today. We're here to put the power of good health back into the people's hands. Our home party business brings the skills of cooking healthy meals back into our home. Come, learn firsthand with family and friends the nature of how to go back to canning, fermenting, milling fresh grain into flour to make mm, homemade bread and so much more. We're here to remind the previous generation and to teach the new generation how to use the tools of yesterday and today to make food our medicine. Go to our website and sign up to host a home party, Zoom party, Facebook party, and get a free host gift valued from $20 to $75. Help your family and friends become a part of the real food movement to better health. Join us at www.yesterdayskitchenfortoday.com. All right, you're back on the D Hour Network show um, for your health. And Dr. Seti is here, and we're talking about childbirth during COVID 19. Uh, what is the ideal time for parents or mom and dad that's looking to have a midwife to contact you? What month is it that is immediately when they find out they're pregnant or before they're pregnant? Well, it would be really, really good if they could do it before they get pregnant. This way um, we get to talk about uh, a lot more things in preparation um, we just have more time to do more things and to take on more responsibility. Should that not be available, then right after the mommy realizes she's pregnant, then that should be the next ideal time to, um, you know, locate a midwife and see if this is a fit um, for the family, see if this is a fit for the mother with the midwife, the father and the mother with the midwife. Um, so the earlier the better. The best would be prior. Um, if that isn't the opportunity, then the next would be as soon as the mother finds out. Now, do you work with a doula or you work by yourself? Okay, so here's the term. I train women. I don't, I don't use the D-O-U-L-A word. Because the etymology <laughs> okay. of birth means female slave. I do not want us to use okay. the term that means something that's derogatory. So okay. but women don't know that because they think of it as a mother's helper. So right. I students. So they're not their student midwives. And the women who work with me are student midwives. That has a different look because they're not doing comfort measures. They're learning the process that they need to grow into of discernment, um, not just what to do, but what not to do. So that's why I work with women who are in training, and they're basically women who are training with me. So um, there is a school I work through, and the school is one that I started years ago, 20 years ago, maybe 21, maybe about 20 years ago, called the University of Maria, and it's the study of black life. Um, so 
that has a two-track system. So they are, the women who come through that are, are in the stage of student or apprenticeship are the ones that I bring with me when it's time to work with a couple. Some couples are a little um, private and they really don't want anybody and some are really open and sometimes they have somebody in their circle who they would like to be at the birth because they're in training. So it just depends. It's the women I work I, I work with who study and then sometimes the families have somebody that they know, whether it's a family member or someone in the process of training. Wow, that's great. Now, how can someone reach you if they're interested in having a midwife? Okay, so they can call me up at 404-557-2026. That is one way. Then sometimes I get messages through my email. Now, the whole thing about the email, I don't be checking it every day. So women have to understand I'm not on the computer because I'm out there uh, working with mommy. So I still check it maybe once, maybe twice a week. So my email address is, and it's a little long, so it's my last name, O-P, like in Peter, I-O-S-N-D-A, E Y O at Gmail dot com. And that is the other way to reach. I'm going to I want you to text that to me later after the show and I'm gonna add that on to the bottom of the um information from the show on the underneath the link. I thought I, had, right. yeah, I think we just have, I'm going to re-enter it so people have your information and number on how to contact you. So regardless of when someone go back and listen to this blog talk, they'll be able to see your information on how to reach you. So, but I think this is really great information because I was wondering how hospitals were handling pregnancy women, and you know, during COVID-19 because they were saying they weren't accepting certain patients in or they couldn't go in, you had to go in by yourself, you couldn't go, you know, family members and children couldn't go in. So I can That's see right. this booming up midwives and um, making this business grow and educating people to say, you know what, I think I want this. What do right. you want to leave a listening audience with uh, as far as new moms and how they need to prepare or take care of themselves? when they're thinking about having a baby? Well, the first thing I would say is to, um, if you're not pregnant and the thought is that you're preparing for a child, then some of your habits, recreational habits, need to be curtailed. Um, Look at what you feel is what you need to do. Uh, Share that to get the input. And let your family know ahead of time. Some mommies don't go into it uh, with their mothers or their uh, uh, immediate family members because they're concerned they're not going to be supportive. So it's more of sharing it 
so they can get used to what your ideas are and how that can look. Also, upgrading your life as a person by eating better, drinking more water, you know, just looking at what your body needs, what you haven't done, and what you need to add to it, and all about preparation, um, uh, trust your intuition, and search out before you are pregnant or midwife so that when the time comes, you will have already at hand, and then you can start the process. You have a step up by starting the process as early as possible. Um, and definitely um, share and, and make sure that your complementarian is, um, even if they're not feeling this, that they're ready to take on the responsibility with you. Now, do you have women who are medication, say high blood pressure medication, a certain medication that you have taken on, and how does that process work with delivery and with moms doing what you would like them to do in the medication? I have, If should I have women that are on medication? It's very few. Um, okay. I don't have women on high blood pressure medication. Um, okay. Because the blood- yeah, I don't, that's not, they might be on, I don't even know. You see, this is the thing about a home birth. Your mindset is different. You're not in the medical. Now, that doesn't mean they don't go to a medical doctor and they might take a prescription. Right. They don't want, they've made a conscious effort to eliminate the challenges that have, that go with taking medication. So if they have high blood pressure, then they know, you know, they do research to find out what creates that. So um, I have educated women um, about taking care of their body, and even if they do eat things that are not as healthy, they are working towards eating better and and going into the herbal and plant kingdom uh, much more than they have been. So very limited. I've had had women. Now the women who are taking medication and they come my direction, I tell them that they're going to have to wean themselves off and eat better and do better. Um, uh, But on the whole, that's not the women, the category of women I get. I get those who are really to be a lot more health conscious, you know. I love it. I love it. Yes. I just just love what you're doing. Um, I applaud you. And because... This is how things were done years ago. This is this was the way of delivering babies and making sure they're healthy. Now you know Atlanta is supposed to be number one for women dying in childbirth. Yeah. Now midwives, how many they're losing? How many mothers and midwives are losing? I'm not like what the the, the numbers are from hospital. That number is coming from hospitals, not from midwives. Correct. Yes. Okay, and and so, midwives aren't. Losing. I don't need. What what are, is there a number of small numbers of women dying during childbirth with midwives or not at all? It's very few. Sometimes women. I've had a woman who has transitioned, but she has some health issues after childbirth. But that was okay. kind of known. She had some challenges. Here's the thing: the number of women. The mass number that is recorded, that is from medical facilities, hospitals and facilities 
that get women to take drugs and to do other invasive work on them. The home birth, that's not to say that women have not passed away, but the numbers are few. It's not something that gets broadcasted. If that was the case, we would be out of business. There would be nobody coming to midwives. They would be going to the hospital in droves. So the number isn't based on the midwives. It's based on the hospital. I can't tell you the number from the other midwives, but they're definitely few and far between. And that isn't an action because midwives, that's an action of something that was going on with the mommy or the baby, not the midwife. Right. If right. we're that right. neglectful, then we're not going to be practicing, you know, at all. Right. Our doctors well, on I the other hand, yeah, they, they practice even if they are neglectful. <laughs> that is crazy. I just want to thank you so much for taking out your time of this Sunday to have this conversation with me and to kind of be able to put parents and moms and dads at ease and give them a sense of direction during this time of COVID-19 and having babies, that we can have healthy, strong babies and keep the moms healthy during this time, and that it all has to do with learning how to take care of yourself and eat healthy and prepare your body to give birth in a natural way, and I love the idea of what you're doing. I applaud you 100%. You know, I just thank you so much for what you've been doing, and I'm praying that this information that we're putting out here will educate families to say, you know what, let me think about doing it this way, putting something on the table to give them options, because a lot of times I never heard this. Like I said, I didn't grow up hearing this stuff, and I just really wish I had, and I I just applaud. It's like old wisdom that was hiding somewhere, and we just want the light to shine on this. Yes, definitely. And I give thanks for the opportunity to share it, as I am not the only one. I will never be the only one, and I enjoy the fact that I have the opportunity to uh, be around those who feel the need to do this the right way. So it is good, and um, I give thanks on many levels. I'm in gratitude for the opportunity to be able to do this. Thank you so much. And so I just want to wish everyone a blessed week. Be safe. Um, We're grateful to be alive, and I know so many people who doesn't, they aren't here. But as you said earlier, as so many people leaving, we got hundreds and hundreds are coming back, beautiful babies are God is bringing back into the world to give us this joy of sincerity to trust the next generation to come behind us to do what we want them to do is be good human beings and we love and take care of each other. So, you know, with these babies coming here, we, we, I love babies. I just love kissing on babies. I just love holding babies until they become teenagers. Then you can have them. <laughs> But I just want to thank every thank you for being here and um, come back again and just update us some more about how busy you're going to be after COVID nineteen because all these parents at home what they're doing we're reproducing so that's a, that is a great thing thank you yes. everyone you have a blessed week and um, I'll talk to you on next for Sunday. your health program is brought to you by yesterday's kitchen for today. We're here to put the power of good health back into the people's hands. 
Our home party business brings the skills of cooking healthy meals back into our home. Come, learn firsthand with family and friends the nature of how to go back to canning, fermenting, milling fresh grain into flour to make mm, homemade bread and so much more. We're here to remind the previous generation and to teach the new generation how to use the tools of yesterday and today to make food our medicine. Go to our website and sign up to host a home party, Zoom party, Facebook party, and get a free host gift valued from $20 to $75. Help your family and friends become a part of the real food movement to better health. Join us at www.yesterdayskitchen.com. For today.com. <laughs>